epitch.org. Entrepreneurs telling their stories, giving us a better understanding of the entrepreneurial experience. Here we go, ePitch Fast 30. What is your name? Melanie Hammer Murray. Age you started your first business? 53. What city were you born in? Huntsville, Alabama at Huntsville Hospital. I was born at Huntsville Hospital. I know. Well, there you go. One thing most people don't know about you. I was the Alabama maid of cotton in 1985. Religious, spiritual, or neither? Religious. Multitask or single task? Squirrel. I guess that means... I don't know what that means. <laughs> All over, right? That's right. Introvert or extrovert? I'm a borderline uh, right smack dab down the middle. Myers-Briggs. Wow. How long a time did it take you to open your business from the planning stages all the way to the first day of business? My business partner worked on it for about a year before I came on, and then uh, we worked on it about 18 months before, or two years before we actually opened. Favorite type of gun? Um, well, I really, really like to practice with my Smith, Smith & Wesson Performance Center 22 because it's lightweight and it's quiet, and I can shoot it for a long time. Favorite type of ammunition? Whatever's on sale in bulk at Bullet and Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Favorite target? Uh, one that I've shot the middle out of. Are you a hunter? Um, a little bit. Um, and, and and you're going to ask me if it's food or, or, or sport. Really, um, what I do is a little deer hunting, and we do it for conservation purposes. We're calling a herd. Okay. Favorite retail item? Well, it would be uh, my washable leather jackets that are by Jacket Company, and they're actually one of the hot items for this fall all over the country, and we've got them at Bullet and Barrel. And washable leather really yeah. has not been around long. No, it hasn't. What takes up too much of your time? Um, well, insomnia is number one on my list that takes up too much of my time. And by that, I assume that you mean things that are frustrating that feel, don't feel like they produce anything. Insomnia. Oh, my gosh. I'm in my 50s. That takes up too much of my time. Right. Okay. Best way to start your day? Um, cup of tea, uh, walk the dogs, and a little Bible study. What do you hope never changes? That my children enjoy our time together. What website do you visit most often? Bulletandbarrel.com. What do you want to be remembered for? I really enjoy training young adults in the art of customer service and hospitality. Sunrise or sunset? Um, you know, to have the luxury to sit still for 30 minutes whenever is a beautiful thing. I, I really can't, can't pick. I'm sorry. So you like both. So I like that's both. Great. I like being able to sit still and just look at the sky. Cloud watching. Cloud watching. Favorite entrepreneur? Um, oh, the Johnson Brothers of Tara May, of course. <laughs> 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 what keeps you up at night? Um, encounters with people. When I play them back in my head in the middle of the night and I go through that woulda, shoulda, coulda game, that, that will keep me up. I wish I'd done this or I should have said that. One piece of advice that your parents gave to you. Nothing good happens after midnight. That's a good one. Yep. Do you see things in black or white or shades of gray? Um, totally gray and blue. Lots of shades of blue. 
You know, because that's like a variation of gray, right? There you go, right. Yeah. <laughs> a little more hopeful than gray. What is one of your pet peeves? And other people or myself? Well, just in general. So I guess what I am referring to is other people. Bad breath. Bad breath. Plan or spontaneous? I plan to be spontaneous. <laughs> Late or early? <laughs> early. Did you grow up rich, poor, or middle class? Middle class, Huntsville, Alabama, 35802. NASA? NASA and a school teacher mom. Describe yourself with three words. Consistent, forthright, and positive. Those are great. Apple or Android? Apple. Do you love what you do? Absolutely. There you have it, Melanie's E-Pitch Fast 30. Let's discuss Melanie and her business, Bullet and Barrel. So, Melanie, how long have you been open? Uh, we opened uh, the last week of March of 2018. And the how, having, let me say this though. Yes. That's our like our building that you see today. We opened in a trailer, if you can imagine, um, in August prior to that. So we were actually we had a small store and a trailer um, on the property six months before we ever opened okay so and you had retail in the trailer yes um only clothing though at that point okay and gifts yeah all right and i didn't i did not realize that well you should have come on i should have no i should have <laughs> now this is the question that i really want to know why did you decide to open this business um well a uh, gentleman who had been investigating doing an indoor shooting range um, approached my husband and I with the idea uh, in the summer. Gosh, I can't. I don't, it's, I don't even know which year. I'm afraid if I call a year out, I'm gonna say the wrong one. I'll say 2016, but it may have been 17. And you know, gave us the pitch and said, "Would you like to invest?" And we talked about it, and we both felt so strongly that it was a good thing for Huntsville. And I mean, that may not sound like good business advice to to do something because you think it's good for your community. But really, at the end of the day, that's what it got down to. At the at that point, you know, there, that this was before Topgolf, before so many of the things that are happening now that everybody's so excited about, um, you know, and, and we didn't really, none of us knew, you know, that they were on the horizon because it was far enough back that we just felt like, you know, it was a, absolutely, it was a good business opportunity. We wouldn't have done it. But also, it was good for Huntsville. And, and I was ready. You know, I had gotten to the point. I have four children. My kids were mostly um, raised and off doing their things. I've got one daughter still at home. Um, I was ready to um, go to work. And, you know, this just seemed like great uh, opportunity for me also. Well, and I remember whenever that was getting ready to open, you had 100 things on your plate. You were running all over the place, yeah. and you know it's it's not exactly easy opening up a business. Now your business also, how many square feet is it? Thirty thousand is the whole building. So, yeah, we have um, I guess about five or six revenue streams, although it may, may not be counting exactly right. So there's there's a bunch of little businesses going on underneath that roof at the same time, and you know in retrospect, 
I should have simplified that a little bit. But at the same time, I think probably if you'd gone from, because I remember you guys when you were like in that little um, shopping center over by. Stadium Place Shopping Center. Yeah. And if you went, if you had gone straight from that into these two buildings, you know, that's mind blowing, right? Because before you had what, maybe eight chairs. Right. And so you go from there into this, which is kind of what I did. Um, it was probably a little bit much. We could have done it in a more phasal way. In the long run, it's going to be to our good. It just it made for it made for it to be really hard in the beginning because you're trying to get your hands around so many different things, and it you know it was hard. It really was hard, but I wouldn't trade anything for it. Well, so many moving pieces. Do you mind telling us what the revenue streams are? Yeah, I'd be glad to. The The main one, of course, is the shooting range. And with the shooting range, there are two things going on. One is we have memberships. So um, the members get special perks and benefits. But, you know, these are people who are, who are hobbyists, who train all the time, who want to practice. And, you know, regardless... Okay, so we're talking about, let's just state the elephant in the room, we're talking about a business that's somewhat controversial right now, right? Especially after what has happened in the last couple of weeks. These folks are constantly pursuing being better at a sport or at an endeavor. Those are the members. And then we have people that just walk in and they want to practice. They want to um, shoot the firearms that they already own. Or maybe they're shopping and they're thinking about what their options are. We're one of the few places in Huntsville where you can shoot almost anything that we sell. If we don't have that exact same firearm, we have something really close to it. So you can have the experience of shooting it because it's like a car. You know, once you leave with it, okay, now it's a resale, right? I mean, they're controlled like that. So it's no longer new the minute you walk out the door with it. And we've done the background check and it's yours, then it's yours. So it's not like you can go, oh, I tried it and I don't like it. So it's really important to have the experience of trying the the firearm before you decide that you want to shoot it or that you want to own it. Uh, so that's one. Um, we have a, a and that's our primary business. We are a shooting range that happens to do some other things, which is what makes us different from what what some people would call our competitors here in Huntsville. Um, the other things that we do, we sell firearms. We sell um, other kinds of sporting goods, you know, the things that go with firearms, holsters, ammunition, all that stuff. We have a men's shop, a women's shop attached to it. We have um, a rental, a room rental business. Like, you can come in and rent the Blackstone Hall for a dinner party or a rehearsal dinner or a bachelor party or a meeting. We have people who have their meetings there. And it will hold, depending on what the room, the setup is of the chairs, it can hold as many as about 130 people. Most of the time we have about 80 to 90 in there if somebody's going to do an event in there. Um, We have a couple of other rooms that we also rent besides that. And then we also teach training classes. So all those things are going on underneath that roof, and it's just a lot to get your head around, you know, on a daily basis. And I'm just curious, whenever people are trying out a gun to maybe purchase, Mm -hmm. is that more expensive? Do they have to rent that gun out for a Um, period? Well, we give, when they're looking at a gun to purchase, um, we do some, you know, perks with all of that. We'll, We'll walk one of the, the salespeople will walk onto the range with a you know pocket full of ammunition and the firearm and 
you know, we'll let them try that gun and, and we don't really charge to do that. That's, I mean, we can't spend all day every day, you know, giving our time, you know, we do want people to use the shooting range. But if it's just a matter of, okay, I, I think I've narrowed it down. These are the two I want. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that with people. And how many different manufacturers do you work with? Well, we... As far as uh, guns. Um, it's not that you work with manufacturers because we're not big enough to do that. I mean, some of our competitors can work directly with the manufacturers, but we, it's more of like a clearing house, you know, like a distribution center. And so one distributor might have 10 or 12 okay. lines that they work with and another one might have four. There's all different sizes of distributors. Okay. And so when you have people come in showing you uh, a new item that's going to be out in the fall or... Mm. or whatever you you have actually a sales rep yeah mm -hmm. yeah okay we um it, it it works a couple of different ways i mean for some of the lines we go directly with the line and some of them we go through distribution okay we don't do enough volume to work directly with say wilson combat or smith and wesson you know someday maybe we will but right now you know when you're ordering four and five of something at a time instead of 40 or 50 you use a distribution okay which keeps the makes our prices slightly higher so when people ever go oh it's more expensive come shop with us and you'll help get our prices down <laughs> right there you go well and i'm sure that you know you've been open 18 months yeah. approximately and so you know i'm sure your projections keep uh you know becoming yeah you want to you want to see steady growth i mean this is the first time we have a quarter to a quarter to be able to compare um and in a time when i'm hearing from um my um compatriots in the shooting range business in the state of Alabama. They're all saying, oh, we're flat or we're down. Um, bullet and barrels been about 18% up over what we were last quarter, <coughs> which honestly was a little bit of a surprise to me because I thought that we would have had a bubble from our opening. You know, you think when you open that first month, it's going to be, you're going to create this bubble and then next year you're never going to be able to recreate it. But that wasn't the, it, the situation for us. So that was, that was good. Which is great because I know that there was a lot of press in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, before you even opened. Right. So yeah. you really got it out there, got it on uh, radio and yeah. also yeah. television. Yeah. Advertising has been the hardest bundle of lessons for me. Just what to what is a good purchase. Um, not giving, you know, not serving the viewer or the listener the entire pan of enchiladas, right? You know, the whole, you don't want to give them every single thing that you can do. Just like you say, Tara Mae, we're a day spa, but you don't advertise we do lashes, we do color, we cut, we trim, we wash hair. You know, you don't start listing all the things that you do. And that's one of the great problems with, with my business is that people don't know us enough to know all the things that we do. And they can't really make assumptions. Well, it's a shooting range. Well, of course, they have leather coats for win, women, too. Because who would think that a shooting range would have leather coats for women? Right. So. When you decided that you were all in yeah. on this... Was the land already purchased? Was this no. uh, location decided on? Well, yes, it was. Um, my um, my business partner at the time um, had a, a down payment on some land, and we we at the time we were. It's a pretty good sized piece, by the way. If you want to buy some lots, I have some still for They're sale so there. Yeah. Um, anyway, at the time we were thinking we were going to face Johnson Road, and we were going to sell the other pieces, and then as we were looking at the um, 
at the designs, I just, I had this really strong sense that, you know, okay, this property is right next door to the biggest tennis center in Huntsville with a full membership of, I don't know, close to a thousand people. And why would you want to have any space between a, a club for shooting and a club for tennis? I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot of crossover um, uh, customers, but there are some. And I just think, you know, it's a known brand. Um, ACA is a known brand. Hack, as we all continue to call it. And um, so we made the decision to turn and face uh, Lehman Ferry rather than face Johnson Road, which I believe was the right, the right choice. And y'all really got in at a great time because Lehman Ferry has grown. I would imagine that the traffic count is continually rising each year. Because You know what I can't get over is how much traffic drives up and down Johnson Road. And I would not have known that except that, you know, here I sit now 18 months later. But there is a huge amount of traffic that comes off of um, Triana and that whole area. If you're in the back part of Bob Wallace or you're coming from the Arsenal and you're not driving down Triana and up airport, if you're driving on the parkway, well, you're just a ding dong because that's the way to go. I mean, it's fast. Yes, there are lights, but there's not really any turns. People move down that road in chunks. I don't see wrecks. Of course, now I'm saying this and everybody's going to be on Triana with me now, but well, it's and my... When a wreck, you know, a wreck will shut down the parkway. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, having that, because, you know, yeah. on that road, it, it isn't as, you know, like we do baseball. And I mean, right. there's everything over there, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the activity center of Huntsville, for right. sure. And, you know, now that they are creating that park, yeah, uh, that's also going to be a, a beautiful piece of that mm-hmm. when all of that gets done. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, I think that's great. So did you decide when you were building... Like, did you start off with, okay, we're going to build a 30,000 square foot building, or did y'all go to architects and just try to bounce um, things off each other? Well, we we used, um, again, the my business partner who came up with the concept had an acquaintance who gave him plans for his range, and so we used those plans in large part to plan what we did. Um, the the contributions that I made were more what happens on the inside more than the size of the building. Um, I was very sure that whatever we did, I wanted it to be movable on the inside so that we weren't stuck with things, you know, cemented to the wall or bolted into the floor. Um, I wanted to have the flexibility because I wasn't sure. I mean, I thought I knew what was going to happen with the business, but I wasn't sure. So we really planned it that way so that, you know, we could, if one thing or the other became more of a dominant, particularly in retail, I'm not talking about the range so much, but a dominant feature, like suppose all the rage in Alabama became, you know, goggles and eyeglass, like, you know, shooting glasses, that I wanted the flexibility to be able to expand that area one way or the other. And, you know, we're not at capacity with, with the items that we can carry yet. Um, you know, just... So I'm a little bit gun shy just from the economy the last, get the pun, gun shy, <laughs> uh, from the economy for the last 10 years. You know, right now it's good and and um, everybody's feeling pretty optimistic, but um, I still remember, you know, when was that that everything crashed? It looms really large in my head and so I'm, I tend to be a little bit conservative. Right. And, you know, going through that, uh, yeah. you do want to take things very cautiously. Yeah. You know, 
Brian Slinkard. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he created some rolling things for you, right? Um, he made our cabinetry for us. They don't, they're not on wheels, but they can be with a hand truck can be picked up and moved. I didn't want to have that, that pawn shop look, you know, with the hundred foot long counter, right. you know, where the guys are moving mysteriously behind the counter and sliding, you know, firearms over the top of the counter. I just didn't, there's just nothing about that that I like. I wanted it to feel a little bit more like a Verizon store and Apple store. We can't have the things even tethered. I mean, there's, there, there are shops that do this, mind you, that have handguns tethered, you know, on just like at the, at the Verizon store to, a you know, fixture, and you can pick them up and move them around. Um, there are people who do that. We just um, got, you know, the people who work for me are such experts, and they're such safety fanatics that every time I'd start talking about that, they'd get super nervous, and they're like, what if somebody comes in and does this or that? So we just kind of abandoned that um, that concept. But, but regardless, when you're buying a firearm, we're trying to have it be more of a transactional exchange and and rather than that over-the-counter thing which is stuck from the days when when you would go into the hardware store I mean that's you know a hundred years ago if you bought a firearm you were buying it at the hardware store next to the feed and seed I mean that's and so we that business that industry is still dominated by that mindset you know like here's a firearm here's some uh, cleaning supplies here are your seeds and here's a bag of nails I mean, they still think like that. And, you know, they're, it's nowhere is it more evident than when you start trying to shop with the POS systems and look at the POS systems that are geared towards the firearms industry. And they're just so backwards and ridiculous and hard to deal with. POS, POS systems. Yeah, it stands for what it stands for. Yeah, we all know <laughs> what it stands for, right? Right. Well, were there any delays... And I'm I'm sure there were delays, but were there any major delays in building the building and getting open? Well, there was a hurricane the the month that we started. That was that August. What hurricane was that? Now I can't remember I, the last one. And it rained and it rained and it rained and I just would just sit there and the water would rise up around the trailer and I'd think, are we going to float off? You know, that was that was rough because at the same time when you're building and there's a major weather event you know, what's happening, because that always happens, like when you're building a house, right, or a, right. a business, oh my gosh, you know, plywood's going up, sheetrock's going up, and it's just killing you, and there's nothing you can do about it, but, um, so yeah, we had that, um, yeah, I mean, everything that you build is going to have delays, you know, everything it is, and I think, you know, in, in retrospect, just like if I ever have the blessing of building a house again, you know, I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to set 20% aside to know that's just the screw up money, you know, <laughs> you know, something's going to go wrong. And so you're going to have to fix it. And at that point you've already committed and you, it's not like you can do anything about it. You've just got to keep moving forward. So, well, and I remember when we purchased that land in Jones Valley Yeah. and September eleventh, two thousand one. Oh my happened. stars! Yeah. And what I what I remember in those years. delays, yeah, is that there was a steel shortage, and mm -hmm. we couldn't get steel in to build the building. Mm -hmm. And you know, some of that stuff can make you not even be able to start your business. Right. So it was uh, that was one of our biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. So you know, I think 
sometimes you think that you know here's a to z we're going to get there and there's not going to be any issues but generally there are going to be some setbacks it's just depending on how much of a setback is it going to be and how are you going to overcome that to continue through yeah and you know when it's when it's you it feels so much it's like it has teeth you know what i'm saying and at the same time you know, here you're talking about 9-11, I'm talking about a hurricane, and you can't help but feel, oh, here I'm whining about this hurricane, but there are people who are losing their homes. I mean, you just constantly have to keep, you know, you have to pull yourself back and, and keep it all in perspective. And like I said, I think anytime you're going to start a building project, and maybe this is true of businesses in general, whether even if you're going into a building that already exists, but anytime you're starting something like that, you've got to plan for screw-ups. You have to, and you know, probably 20% if it's building or refurbishing or whatever is probably about right. And you know, that's just the way it is. If I just shake your head, well, <laughs> if only it was only 20%, right? Sometimes that's yeah, the way it well, feels. and you know, you, you do have to, to plan and really think about it. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I think when you're taking it one step further, where you're not gonna just uh, lease, where you're gonna build and mm -hmm. and you've got to take those things into consideration right. on what the long-term impact could possibly be Yeah, moving forward. Mm -hmm. so. How long is it going to take me? If I buy this, you know, um, mega air conditioning system versus the standard air conditioning system, how long is it going to take me before I pay it off or until it's paid for itself? I, and I think, I think one of the big, you know, struggles is remembering need versus want. You know, when you're when you're starting from scratch, do I need this or do I just want it? Right, and good to probably bounce it off other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you used plans from another range, or you had we develop we use those range plans as the basis as our jumping off point. Yeah. So I would imagine that creating a space for a gun range is not easy because you're going to have to use certain materials. Right. For yeah. the bullets not to penetrate the walls and yeah uh, I'm sure that there's probably some regulations of course they go along with that mm -hmm. so can you talk about that a little bit like how do you make a safe building and then what did you have to do to get your licensing and all of that for bullet and barrel well <clears throat> just in terms of construction materials um, you know I visited I want to say somewhere between 15 and 20 ranges all over the south um, you know, really you have two primary options. You can do concrete block or you can do tilt-up concrete. Tilt-up concrete is more expensive um, on the front end, but it is cleaner, okay? So if you have concrete block, I mean, you think about what a concrete block, it's like an amalgam made of, you know, crunched up concrete all glued together, right? So if you shoot that and little bits of it fall off, because that's what's gonna happen, the walls get shot, um, then you've got concrete dust mixed with lead dust and you've got over time chinks in your walls, right? Um, so for us, we chose to go the tilt-up concrete route because we felt like it was a more environmentally friendly option for the greater world, you know, because it, we've got to clean up after ourselves, but also for the people who work in there. I wanted it to be a safe, clean environment for the future employees that I would have. And I'm really glad that I did that. I don't regret that at all. It's more expensive, like I said, but I think that is that was the right thing for us to do. 
Um, then once, you know, you get into that, you have to have steel, you've got to have every, you know, right angle has to be covered with a strip of steel so that bullets don't bounce back, you know, all that kind of stuff. We have concrete paneled ceilings that are particular, a particular kind of concrete. Again, you have to have baffles. and I mean, it's, it's mind boggling all the stuff that has to happen. You can't, you have to have those concrete panels because you don't want somebody to shoot through the ceiling and shoot your air conditioner, right? Or shoot through the ceiling, have it bounce back and hurt somebody else. We're one of the only shooting ranges, I'm trying to think, there might be one other that has totally enclosed stalls. Now, by that, I don't mean the front and the back are not enclosed, but overhead. So our stalls are deeper than other people's and wider. But then overhead, there's a little kind of roof on each stall so that if Charles is in lane seven and Melanie is in lane eight and I'm shooting like a mad woman over there, my brass is not flipping over the top of the little wall and coming and sh hitting you in the back of the head, which happens. Now, it's not fatal, but it's incredibly dis disturbing and disarming when you're, you know, concentrating sure. and you've got hot, somebody else's hot brass clunking you down the back of your shirt. It's, it, nobody likes that. So, you know, again, it all, it got back to the environment not just for the people who work there, but also the people who were using it as customers. Because we did that. It's quieter. It's safer. It's cleaner. Um, there is not a cleaner range in Alabama. We recently got a five-star uh, rating from the NSSF, which is a huge deal. There are only 40 of those ranges in the country. So, And I saw that, and I was yeah. going to ask you about that, because yeah. that's uh, a pretty important and only being in business for 18 yeah. months, too, yeah. already starting to get awards. Right, and there and and it it's it's hard to do, you know. I mean, I'm sure there's something like that in the world of salons where you know that there's a list. You have to have all these different things, and you know your employees have to have certain kinds of training, and there has to be a minimum amount of signage, and you know all of these um, things that go into it. And you know, it, it took us about six months to get everything in place, and you wouldn't think it would take that long, but you're doing it while you're operating a regular business. And sometimes it's that, you know, you're talking about what's frustrating. Sometimes it's the little things like how long it takes you to get your stationery ordered. You think, Oh, I should just be able to <laughs> push a button and this happens. But I don't know, you know, I rarely have 10 or 15 minutes ago by that. Somebody didn't ask me a question or I get a phone call or whatever. And so sometimes it's the little stuff that takes me forever. <laughs> right. You're laughing because you know what I'm saying. It's that, right. Yeah. It's, it's all the interruptions throughout the whole day. Yeah. Which are good. I don't, I don't ever, you know, I never want my employees to feel like they couldn't ask me because I'm too busy or too upset or too frustrated or too intent on, I mean, I really try hard to be available to them all the time, not to mention my customers. Right. Not my customers, our customers. Well, what all do you have to have in order to open up a gun range? Well, I, if you're going to sell firearms, you have to have an FFL. So you go to the, I'm going to use lots of alphabet words here, go to the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, and you file for an FFL, which is a federal firearms license, and they're different kinds, so you've got to make sure you get the right kind. And does it take a long time to get those yes, approved? Yes, it does. And sometimes it takes longer than other times. It just depends on what's going on in the political climate. You know, if you were trying to get um, your FFL last year when the government shut down for six weeks, huh? I mean, you want to talk about frustrating. Can you imagine if you had been trying to open a business during that time and they're like, oh, sorry, there's nothing we can do. We had customers who were apply applying for um, 
uh, uh, gosh, all of a sudden I'm forgetting the right term, not suppressors, but it's similar. Um, so they're ap applying for those and you have to have a special license for that. And they can't get them. It's a, you know, 60 day, 80 day, you know, whatever waiting period. And now I think we're getting close to like 10 months for all of that, for that hearing suppression stuff. And there's nothing, I don't, you know, let's talk, we'll talk about laws for just a minute. I do not, I, there are a lot of laws I understand why people want them. I do not understand the Hearing Suppression Act. I don't understand it because it is good for the people who work in the range and the people who shoot regularly to have quieter ways of... long-term... Yeah, yes. I mean, it doesn't make... Having a, a firearm suppressed does not make it more dangerous. I, I keep hearing, and when I hear these stories of these awful shootings... Nobody recognizes a firearm, a, a shot for what it is. I always say, well, I thought it was a music or I thought it was fireworks. Okay, I thought it was fireworks in the middle of the day and a, you know, or what, you know. It, you just don't, I don't even know if I heard it out of context. You know, I hear it all the time, every day. Well, and you're not thinking about it. It's just part of my environment. But if I was over in, say, Hampton Cove at the golf course and I heard it, I don't know that I would recognize it for what it is because you're hearing it out of context. It's kind of like when you see your kid's elementary teacher at the grocery store. You know who she is perfectly fine at the school, but she's run into her at the Target, and you're like, I can't remember who you are. So, you know, when you get out of your regular environment or you get an object out of its regular environment and you hear a strange sound, you don't immediately go, oh, that's what that is. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. So, so yeah, lots of licensing. You know, the city, of course wants to know that you're um, uh, in a place where there's not going to be any random shots. We're in an HEB zone. Um, the, you know, the neighbors want to know that they're not going to be bothered by the noise. We don't have to worry about runoff from our range, but, you know, outdoor ranges have to be concerned about that, about what's going to happen, you know, when it rains. You know, there's lots of stuff that you have to be, you know, considerate of with regards to the environment. Did you find that Huntsville City, were they easy to work with and did they have the answers for you? Well, I don't think anything you do with the city is ever easy. They were not unkind. They weren't unfair. It, it just, it was a matter of, you know, there are these 15 things you have to do and these questions you have to answer and we, we went and answered them and we did what we had to do and it, you know, it was fine. We had, um, a very fine air handling company that did our range air. And so um, they were, they liked that. It's 100% fresh air. You're not recycling the air. There's no lead floating around in the air in there. I don't know if you've ever been in a shooting range, but sometimes you'll go in to one and you'll shoot and you'll come out and this is gross, but you know, you'll have black boogers because you're breathing in lead laden, dusty air. And that doesn't happen with us. Well, that's great. <laughs> no black boogers right? at Bowling so. <laughs> <laughs> I Could I do a billboard with that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that, that folks. Would, that, we're entertaining ourselves that, if we're not entertaining that, you. That could be a great billboard. I know, I know. Get people to look at it yeah. anyways. Going back to brands. Now, in your retail store, yeah. you have sort of a variety of brands, but you, you have... Like you're, you just have one clothing brand. No, we have we're a full, men, a full ish men's and women's 
we have men's department and women's department. Okay. okay. And then we have firearms and sporting goods in the back. So, I mean, for women, I have three different lines of blue jeans. I have, I look for, um, easy fitting tops and jackets. I sell more tops and jackets than anything. Although I do have a fabulous selection of blue jeans, but I look for easy fitting tops and jackets that if you wanted to conceal carry, you could. Okay, they're not concealed carry clothing because if there is a dog in the fashion world, it's concealed carry clothing for women. I mean, it's just terrible. There is nothing cute out there. It's it's awful. How did you decide on these lines? Well, that. I mean, they're regular lines and, um, you know, I haven't done everything perfectly. Sometimes if a shirt will come in, I'll be like, okay, I didn't realize that was cropped rats, you know. But um, I look for... I love fabric. You and I talked about that. I look for a couple of things when I'm deciding what lines I'm going to bring in. If it's made in the USA, that's awesome. That means it's most likely going to be more expensive, but not always. But a lot of times it is. Just because a lot of those things that are made in the USA are manufactured in California, and so the manufacturing there is more expensive. I look for things, like I said, that are going to be tops that are longer, you know, um, that will cover up. If you're if you've decided to carry in a holster a belly band a pistol, for men and women, men's clothing is a little is a little different than women's. But for women, you know the easier fit is a big thing for us, and we do have some things that are a little bit closer fitting. I don't necessarily have an age range that we're going for. Um, I have some customers that are my daughter's age that are in high school, and. I go on up to, I, you know, I sold a pair of pants to a lady today that I'm pretty sure is 81 uh, or something like that. And, you know, she loves my store and loves this particular brand. And so, and she doesn't carry, but she comes in and shops fairly rec- regularly. So it's kind of a classic, timeless look. Okay. For men, we go more with kind of work casual. So um, lots of sort of button-up shirts you know, pants, that sort of thing. We're, we're going to be, by Christmas, definitely headed in a slightly different direction with men. You know, I said the thing about Huntsville is, okay, 100 years ago, I worked in a men's store. So um, I worked in a men's store called Reed's, which was in Mason's Plaza on I the Parkway. I remember it. Yeah. So that's where I learned, you know, cut my teeth on customer service. But Huntsville has changed so much in the way that they dress since that time because we were selling sport coats and you know fine belts and shoes and beautifully hand I mean not handmade but uh, needle stitched Gitman Brothers shirts and you know all this really good stuff men in Huntsville do not dress like that anymore there are a few but by and large they don't and they I find what I see is men wear a less expensive pants and maybe their wife picked them up at Kohl's or someplace like that. And then they will oftentimes have a nicer shirt on. So, you know, you kind of have to figure that out. But we're definitely leaning in more of a little bit of a sportier line going forward for Christmas. The police in Huntsville. Yes. You really support them. Yes. And can you tell me about your involvement now with your business and helping them actually get better at what they do? Well, they have their own range, and and that's one of those things that when we built ours, we didn't know was going to happen. So they have their own range. It's an outdoor range. We don't see them quite as much as you would think because, you know, think about it. If you were 
if you were a professional golfer, you know, when you had some spare time, would you go to the golf course? <laughs> right. Probably not. So they spend a lot of time training. So they don't come so much to just, you know, hang out. I do see them. I see them on Wednesdays, particularly because they can shoot for free on Wednesdays in our range. I have, I would say probably in any given day, I'll have two or three coming in, but on Wednesdays in particular, we'll have a lot. They have some meetings there. We don't charge them to do that. They um, are going to start doing some of these community active shooter awareness classes, which are free. Um, They're going to start doing those once a month, um, starting in September at Bullet and Barrel. We are so conveniently located for that. And it's an easy place where, um, you know, community watches can come in. And again, that's going to be free. That's just going to be something that we do for the community and that the police, you know, teach that class. But yeah, we really do try to support them in the military as well. I mean, I have a son in the Army. You know, I completely support what they do. And it's really, you know, I'm supporting the individuals. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make it a place where, you know, they feel comfortable coming in. We have a high enough caliber range staff that, they, that those guys who do this for a living can come in and feel like they're in a, a professional atmosphere to do what they need to do to train. But, like I said, you know, we don't see them as often as you might think because they don't want to spend a whole lot of extra time training. They probably go to the golf course. Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, and they're very close to there. So Yes, they are. But this leads me into the next question because mm-hmm. you have a shooting range that is used by professionals. Yes. And I have a friend that took his girlfriend there mm-hmm. uh, for a date night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they went in and they had a great time. Yeah. And it was, as they both have said, it was one of the best nights that they've had in such a long time. Uh, and it was just something completely different. Yeah. And they had a great time. Right. So it's it's really equalizing. Um, so years ago, when my husband and I were raising three little boys, it was before our daughter was born, we took ballroom dancing lessons. Okay, why was that a good thing for us? Well, because neither one of us knew diddly about it. I wasn't the expert. He wasn't the expert. We were just in the deep water together trying to figure it out. And by the way, we suck as dancers. <laughs> But I think that that um, the the shooting range kind of does that a little bit because it it allows um, you know you to explore something new. You don't have to be great at it. You don't have to be great at it. You need to be safe and know not to point the firearm at anybody in the range. I mean, there's certain rules you know that you need to understand that are that are unbreakable. But then past that you're learning something new or getting better at something you're interested in and you're doing it together. And so that's really, to me, what makes a strong relationship. You know, it's not a me thing or a you thing. You know, I'm not going, I mean, I'm going to use the golf course again. I love golf, by the way, but I'm just using it because it's not me going and watching you, the man, you know, hit the golf clubs. It's something we're both doing together. And so there's some, you know, really great thing that happens when, People, you know, neither one of you is the expert and you're learning something together. I think that's a fabulous thing. And that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to this whole business to begin with is I love watching adults learn new things. I think that is about the most fun there is. So, you know, what you're doing with this podcast, you're learning something new all the time, but you're also facilitating other people learning new things, right? right? And that, I just think that's super cool. I mean... You know, that's that's one of the things I love about what I what I do. I mean, I love providing for the experts, but I like the new guys, 
you know, the new couples, the, the women that come in and go, okay, I'm tired of being afraid. I want to know about this. I think that's fascinating, and I like um, being available to them. And you mentioned earlier, you know, I was trying to figure out your clientele. Yeah. And so you have an 81-year-old woman yeah. buying clothes. Mm-hmm. You have a young couple going out on date night. Yeah. You have the police. Mm-hmm. That is a huge segment that covers a, oh, a lot of people. Listen, every socioeconomic group in Huntsville comes into my range. I think that's fabulous. So that's another thing that I love about it. It's a place where, the, again, let's talk semi-politics for a minute. The, the mainstream media, again, that's kind of a political term, isn't it? Okay. The popular media, whatever. The people who think they're the most popular media. They want us to be pitted against each other. When you go into Bullet and Barrel, nobody asks you how you voted in the last election. Nobody is questioning what your ideology is or whatever. People are drawn together by a common interest, and that is becoming better at this pursuit. And I can't remember. See, I told you, Squirrel, I can't remember where we were going with this. Oh, that, that... there are all different socioeconomic levels of people coming to use our range. There are all different colors of people coming to use our range. There are all different religions of people coming to use our range. There are not many places in Huntsville that you can say that. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, advertising. Yes. Trying to figure bane of out my existence. the right kind of advertising. Mm-hmm. Have you done something that you've absolutely loved? Word of mouth is always the best. I yeah. mean, it's it's always going to be the best. So, yeah. So you're always going to have that. And you have a very high-quality place. Mm-hmm. You have a safe place. Right. You have a convenient place. Mm-hmm. You have all of those things mm-hmm. that I think make, really, a successful business. You've got right. all of that. So trying to reach people now, have you had a campaign of something that you did that was very successful? Besides word of mouth. Um, well, I can tell you just like a little, one little thing that I, we give a lot away, you know, which I hate to say out in radio land. But because I do that, because if you, Charles, are head of the, I don't know, the Dog Breeders Association and you're a regular customer of mine and you come and say, I'm doing this party and, you know, will you donate a hat? I, I do that for my regular customers. Because that gives them the jumping off point to talk about me to their friends and to people who have similar interests. So I think that's really important and that supports our community. That goes back to, you know, and I'm sorry, the big box stores, they don't do that. So if you are a customer who frequents big box stores and you have the opportunity to go to a local store and get essentially the same thing, for essentially the same price, shame on you if you go to the big box store. And even if it's slightly more expensive, do you not realize that you're paying for it in some other way? So, you know, I would, I really encourage people to use local um, businesses. So I think that's part of it. But I, I would say the other thing that we've done that for us, for our business that seems to be working is um, billboards seem to be working pretty well, which is a little bit of a surprise television completely didn't work at all I I have to say I didn't think it was going to work because I don't think that people I can't tell you the last time I watched regular TV I mean unless it was a sporting event 
I just, you know, we don't. We get on whatever series we're watching and we, we speed through any commercials and all that. I think that, you know, radio, talk radio has been big for me. Billboards have been big for me. And then being generous has been big for me. Okay. Is there anything that you did, and maybe you just answered it, that you would not consider doing again? Yes, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want to hurt the business. Okay, that that's I, fair. Yeah, that I think... But you learned from it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think for us, the, the thing that I've kind of like, if I had, if I could go back and do a do-over on some things, I would more tightly control the advertising in the in the geographical location right around where we are and then slowly branch out. But if you are coming in and you're opening in a particular part of town, if you start with your advertising, I mean, unless you have the biggest advertising budget on the planet, like Topgolf did, right? I mean, I can't compete with that. You need to start close and then build out, you know, like ripples rather than scattering all over across all these different you know, zip codes and venues, or not venues, but mediums, all that, you know, keeping it tighter, I think is important, and then building from there. Okay. What about social media for you? What what platforms do you use for your business? Well, you know what? I don't tweet. Um, And the main reason, so I'm going to talk about what I do use, but I'm going to tell you why I don't tweet. Um, I don't tweet because I don't tweet, and it's one more thing that I have to learn. And I just haven't had time to do it yet. And maybe I will at some point. But we don't do that. We use Instagram a little bit, not a lot. We need to do that more with our clothing. But because Instagram and Facebook are owned by progressive, liberal people, they do not allow advertising on their platforms. So I can post all day long. But you know how you have the opportunity to say, oh... You know, do you want to boost this post? Yes. I can't do that. And 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 I learned it before I ever opened. Before I had an FFL, when all I had was a trailer over there on the corner of Lehman Ferry and Johnson Road. And I wanted to boost that we'd gotten some new scarves in. The name of my business is Bullet and Barrel. And there's a landing page for a website that says, Indoor Shooting Range Coming Soon. And because of that, they blocked me. And they banned me. And I will never be able to advertise. So... Now, is that also the case with Instagram? Because isn't yes. Instagram owned by Facebook or mm-hmm. that whole... All of them, both of them. Okay. Yeah. So is there another social media? Um, there will be. Um, there is another social media that I can't remember the name of it that some gun, you know, firearms people are starting to use more. Okay. Um, but I doubt, you know, it, when you're the copycat, are you ever as big? I don't see how anybody can compete with Facebook right now. I mean, I think Facebook is, it's the 800-pound gorilla. I don't, I don't think anybody, and 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 I keep hearing, oh, it's fading. Well, maybe it's fading with my daughter's age, but I mean, my my number of friends is growing. I mean, I have five to six people on my personal every day. And sometimes I'm like, okay, wait a minute, who are you? <laughs> but usually they're friends of friends. And it's not that they're that they're interested in me per se, but right. that's how they find out about Bullet and Barrel. Yeah, and I'm right. pretty careful about what I put on Facebook now. I mean, my posts have changed dramatically. Well, you can post... Mm-hmm. To the page, correct of Bullet and Barrel. Yes, but you can't boost it. 
Correct. Can you share it? Yes. So you can share it on your page? Correct. And that's what I'm saying. I use both Bullet and Barrel and my own personal to spread the message of, of, um, of Bullet and Barrel. And my husband uses his as well. I mean, he has, gosh, he has almost 5,000 friends. Okay. Um, I don't have that many. Bullet and Barrel has that many. So, you know, we've got, you know, a growing kind of Facebook presence. I, I, they don't limit how many followers a business can have. So that's a good thing for now. But I think, you know, in this climate, who knows what's going to happen? I don't think people realize that they're, that they, I mean, that they control the message that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Yeah. If you go back and you look, well, I have a friend that's a photographer and she was not allowed to boost a post because she advertised family portraits and they said, no, that's not inclusive. And that may make some people mad, but the reality is it's their business. They get to set the rules. But because she used the word family. Okay. <laughs> well. gets tricky. It's a slippery slope we're on, right? It is. We're, we're on a very slippery slope right now, for sure. Yeah. Your website. Yes. Didn't you kind of do your website? Didn't you? Yeah, we, well, the funny thing about that is, so again, my POS, and we all know what that stands for, <laughs> is the host for my website. And so we're not changing that anytime soon, but by I think next summer I will be, I'll be using a different host, but I just need to run out that contract before I, okay. before I switch. Yes. I used a whiteboard and had to do every single little part, like draw out the website of what I wanted it to be and snap pictures. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I would never. I, you know, that was a mis- that was a mistake. When you're asking about mistakes, that was a mistake. Not using a, a regular. I mean, I should have used Image in a Box or I can't remember the folks over in Decatur that are well, um, like Red something. I can't remember the name of them. But there are several local website building companies that are you know, very well regarded and, you know, we should have done that. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. You're married to a surgeon. I am. Uh, You're both college educated. Yep. And my question that I I want you to kind of elaborate on is, do you have someone who helps you with your accounting, with your banking? Uh, Do you have an attorney? All of those things that I think sometimes people don't think that they necessarily might need. Yeah, um, well, for a really long time, um, until, I want to say until about probably 12 or 15 years ago. Okay, we've been married for, gosh, how many years have I been married? Since 1989. We got married in 89. So for a long time, fully 10 years, I did all of our taxes. I kept up with everything. I still keep file folders with all of our little bits of paper. But now I do take them and drop them off at Ray White's office and say good luck. So, um, you know, yeah, I use Warren Averett. And, um, but as far as the business goes, um, I have a, a fellow named Brian Patterson, Patterson Accounting Solutions, that's young and energetic, and he really has a good head on his shoulders, and he kind of helps me keep all that safe um, and, and in good order. I have a bookkeeper that works at Bullet and Barrel. But I don't... I still have enough ownership in it that I'm the one that's organizing it. And and it's the same thing, I guess, until I opened Bullet and Barrel, I paid all of our bills at home. I mean, I did it myself. 
And so once I opened Bullet and Barrel, I looked at my husband at one, one night when I was doing 87 jobs at one time and said, you have to do this. And so he started taking over the bill paying. And honestly, that's been a really good thing because I think that role is maybe kind of reversed for us, but I think it's dangerous when in a relationship when only one person is managing the day-to-day bill keep bill, you know, you don't stop and have a state of the union, <laughs> you know, and I think that's an important thing to do. And we, we weren't doing that. I mean, we, we hadn't done that for years. So that's one thing that's good personally that's come out of it is, you know, we have a lot more discussion about, you know, what's happening with our finances and with our money. Of course, we have a stockbroker and yes, we have um, attorneys that we work with. Um, I don't call them about every single thing because that's costly, you know. So I also think if you've been digging in the world of business long enough and you've had enough consultations with attorneys, you start to get a feeling for you know, what they're going to say about certain things. So as long as I'm within a certain parameter of, uh, you know, subject that I know about, I don't call them. But another thing that we do at Bullet and Barrel is we use a personnel company. So that might be, you know, that's a thing. I don't know if you guys do that, but they calculate the paychecks and they, you know, manage the deductibles and the insurance and all that stuff. So I'm not doing that. I mean, we plug the numbers in, you know, into the POS, it sends them over to them and then they send us back what we, you know, very time what consuming, we need. for sure. It is. And it's just not something that I had the time to learn all the intricacies of. So even like if say, um, Charles works for me and he's turned out to be, you know, a drunk and I've realized that he's coming in drunk all the time. How do I handle that? Well, I can call this personnel company and say, all right, you know, what do I need to do about this? And they're very clear on exactly what they want me to do. First thing you need to do is write them up. Then you need to put it in this file. Then you need to, you know. So that helps. It keeps you from going off and getting yourself into trouble. Because I don't want to treat people unfairly, and I don't think most employers do. But sometimes, you know, our tempers get the best of us or whatever, and, you know, you can end up making a mistake that, that's costly to you, but also emotionally costly to your employer, employee and yourself. Well, how did you find the right people to work at? Okay, you, maybe you will not think I'm totally a goofball when I say this, but I will tell you that the Lord Almighty provided them. I have never advertised ever for an employee. And Not advertising once. can be kind of tricky because yeah. it goes out to everybody. I know. So so the right people have walked through my door at the right moment. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. This week is the first time we ever made any post on anything, and we did post that we are looking for a particular position. This is the first time we've ever done it. And, and honestly, if they'd waited two more days... I had three people in the last, you know, couple of days say, hey, I know somebody's looking for a job. So if they'd waited a few more days, we would have been able to keep our record up of never having posted. But, uh, yeah, we've never had to do that. I mean, and I've, I have 23 employees. So the right people have, have had the luxury of being able to um, have my choice. And I don't have to just take everybody that comes. It's not like they've come through the door and I'm like, oh, you're my only option. Right. You know? It's just been really a miraculous thing. And, you know, we're not all just alike. And we have come from all different backgrounds. I have lots of, a fair number of retired military, a couple of retired police officers, you know, a housewife who's really meticulous 
that had that had done some bookkeeping on the side and lo and behold she's awesome and she was my friend when we were three years old oh my goodness i ran into her at the grocery store and we started chatting and i was like you know what come talk to me and you know here we are that's weird isn't it it is but wonderful and maybe not a coincidence not a coincidence okay so i don't want to get political here right. Um, Which means you do. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I... I, (laughs) I'm teasing you. You know, in this country right now... We have to get a little bit political because of the topic. We are in times that are very polarizing. Correct. And so the Second Amendment, it, it comes up, I think, every day. Yeah. And, you know, what is your thoughts on the Second Amendment... And, you know, as far as limiting gun ownership or bump stocks or all of that, I know, you know, people are all over the place on that. And, you know, then we have mental health issues. We have so many things going on. And what I just want to know what your thoughts are on that. And, you you know, now you have a gun range, which, you know, actually makes people uh, be able to come better at their jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're, you're providing a a great service. Right. So how do you, how do you balance that? Well, let me start by saying this, because what I usually, what I, what I want to point out with, to people when we start this conversation is they're by and large firearms are legal. Right, ammunition is legal. And now, granted, and we're not talking about the extreme things, machine guns, bump stocks, those things are already, they're already illegal. No, you can't go and get one. The regular person can't go and get one. Right. So that aside, right, we're not talking about that. Even if you hate firearms, you don't like them and you don't ever want to be in the in this room with one, you know that they're legal. And you would have to agree with me on this one point. If a person is allowed to own one, you would surely want to know that they're practicing and planning on using them safely. When people come into shooting ranges, they're having respectful, responsible conversations. Now, I can't speak to other shooting ranges. I don't know what other sh- what happens in other shooting ranges. I'm just telling you that at Bullet and Barrel, all day long, we talk safety, 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 safety. When customers come in, even if they're experts, I will frequently, I'm not a gun salesperson. I kind of start the conversation a lot of times or I'll butt in, but I'll frequently say, so how are you planning on using this? Or, you know, what's your, you're, you're looking at a handgun. Are you, how are you going to carry it? Or, you know, are you planning on carrying it? I mean, there are conversations that we can have on the side that revolve around safety. My biggest one is how are you going to store it? The number one growing segment of the population or women who are purchasing firearms, and they're no longer waiting for their man in their life to provide the little lady with a firearm. She now has a place where she can go and she feels valued and important and that she'll be taken seriously, where she can go and buy her own firearm for herself that she picks out by herself because guess what? She has her own money, right? right? right. So that's different than 75 years ago. Remember I talked about the the feed and seed store that sold guns on the side. Um, so because all of that is changing, um, even if you don't agree with the concept, you have to agree with the fact that you would want those people who do choose to own, carry, or whatever, 
firearms that you would want them to be practicing and talking and you know being in an environment where safety is stressed it's really important right so okay so second you asked me a bunch of questions so let's go let's talk amendments for just a minute okay i'm not a lawyer um and these are just my opinions I tend to be a centrist in a lot of things. I, I laughed and said, when you said, what, you know, shades of gray, black and white. I mean, listen, I am gray, blue, gray all day long. There are certain products that are out there that I don't understand either. The bump stock thing. I mean, I've never had someone, I have yet to have someone, is the way I should say that, say to me, oh, yes, that's a really valuable thing and this is how I would use it. I, I have not had anybody say that to me yet. From what I can understand with regard to bump stocks is they sacrifice accuracy for a lot of spray. I'm not around people who think that's great. Now, are there people out there who think that's great? Probably, but I don't know them. So, you know, lumping all firearms owners into a basket of deplorables or whatever it is you want to call them is bothersome, right? Because there are a lot of reasons that people choose to own firearms. Um, my home has been robbed twice. My home in a neighborhood that might surprise people with all the proper security precautions, twice, within four months of each other. When that happened, I was very afraid. And I went and bought, this is way before I opened Bullet Barrel, I went and bought a firearm for myself. But I didn't have anywhere I felt safe practicing it. And the times that I did shoot it, it made me feel very uncomfortable. And in fact, when I opened Bullet and Barrel, one of the first things I did was trade that firearm in because it was not a good fit for me. But I understand the fear, you know. We didn't have handguns the whole time my children were growing up just because we didn't have them. Where would we have shot them? I wasn't going to go to the places that were available to me here. I would not have felt comfortable going by myself. And there weren't date nights. There wasn't that option. You know, I understand the fear. I'm a mom. I get it. I will say that I think that this world has changed dramatically since 9-11 and since Columbine and since Parkland, all these things that have happened. And if any of us go into those public places and we don't stop and look around and think, okay, how would I get out of here? Then we're probably living in la-la land. And it's not that you're, you're, you're being freaky weird. You just need to stop and think, how would I get out of here? Because remember before this, what were you worried about in a theater? A fire. <laughs> right. I mean, there's always something, right? So you need to look where the exits. You get on an airplane, you look where the exits are. I mean, you need to be doing that no matter where you're going. You need to be in environmentally aware, con conscious of what's going on around you. If you are if you are walking through the parking lot and your face is stuck down to your cell phone and, you know, you're listening to music or whatever, you're not paying attention to who's around you. You are a target for a purse snatcher or something worse. That happens. Anyway, I mean, am I making a short story long, I think. But I think just being conscious of what's around you is really important. And talking about firearms in a safe way and in a respectful way. We don't make light. We don't make jokes. Nothing. You know, it's serious at Bullet and Barrel. I think when we're talking about the Second Amendment. Okay, let's talk about that for just a minute. People go, Second Amendment, Second Amendment. Okay, it is not just about the Second Amendment. There are about four amendments that we need to be concerned about here. Because at the same time that we're talking about restricting people's ability to own a firearm. And again, we're not talking about bump stocks. 
and we're not talking about machine guns. We're also talking about restricting their speech. We're also talking about potential illegal search and seizure. So Fourth Amendment and the Tenth Amendment, which at the moment has shot out of my head. I can't remember what it is. But there are several amendments that we need to be concerned about. That You remember that old analogy of, you know, if you throw a, a frog into a boiling pot of water, he's going to jump out, right? right? That's, you know, what happens is the heat gets turned up a little bit, 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 and then all of a sudden you're in boiling water and you can't get out. So I think that's really the, the, from what I'm hearing people talk about, that's what they're concerned about. I, you know... No one wants to sell guns to a crazy person. No one wants to do that. No FFL, you know, storefront gun store wants to be associated with that. They don't want that. They don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. I, you know, I hadn't heard how the individuals who did the most recent shootings, how they got their firearms. My son was getting married that weekend and I purposely saw what was going on and turned the TV off and said, I can't, you know, this weekend I can't do it. Um, so I haven't completely defragged all of that and kind of sorted out everything. Um, but I think, you know, I think there are some reasons to be concerned with uh, gun shows. I don't fully understand how why it is that they don't do background checks there except that it's like small collectors and owners that are trying to sell and say you've got 10 guns you want to buy a table at the local gun store and you want to sell your 10 guns but i don't understand why the person who's the host doesn't become the host ffl i don't i don't really know i don't i don't really understand that somebody would have to explain it to me and i'm not saying that to be like um you know, rude or, or challenging to people who do it. I'm sure there's a reason, but it seems to me like that would be something that could happen. You know, when we talk about waiting periods, you know, I don't, again, I don't find that particularly bothersome for me, but there might be some other folks out there. I've got a bunch of customers who are highly, um, secure, you know, they have security clearances way up there. Right. Okay. They're going to get holds. They get holds because they're, they're so top secret, right. You know, that their name's on a list somewhere. Okay. You know, they probably have some key to some weapon that we can't even imagine, but they can't get a, you know, a, a Taurus for their car, you know? So I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what necessarily to do about the background checks. You know, I think that the problems that we have right now, you know, we've got to be careful. We need to make thoughtful changes, yes. But I don't, you know, gosh, where, where do you, the minute you start with one thing, there's 10 other things. It's whack-a-mole, right. you know. California just made a big law change, and they said, okay, you now can only buy so many boxes of ammunition from at any given time. Right, well, they... That's in place now, but they said nothing about reloading. So now you're going to have a bunch of goobers in their garage, but instead of rednecks, I guess it'd be like granola eating rednecks, right? <laughs> right. Beach guys in their garage making ammunition. Okay, how safe do you think that is? Right. There's nothing regulating that. There's yeah. no rules on how much you can buy there. Oh, my goodness. I know. it's. There's no easy solutions, and, you know, I... I I don't know how we're ever going to be able to solve it. It seems like this was an issue when we were younger and not as not like today, but 
you Have know, you ever read the book Columbine? I've never read it. You should read it. I would say to your, you know, if you're particularly in, particularly interested in, um, you know, firearms and kind of how we got to this to this vitriolic place that we are, that's a good book. It is neither pro firearms or anti firearms. It's pretty much down the middle. I mean, it has an anti firearm leaning, of course, but um, it explains kind of the mentality of the whole thing and it talks a lot about the things that people believe you know that they were bullied or that video games had to do i mean none of those things are true one of the guys was absolutely bat you know what crazy and the other one was suicidal and together they were the perfect storm but the two of them created this culture that now other people want to copy so just because something's black does not make it more deadly did I answer all those questions? I went off. You off did. I know it was just very complicated, and I, I just wanted to touch base on it. I just wanted to touch base because I know that it can be trying times. There's, there's so many things that can happen in small business that you don't expect to happen that can either have a positive or negative impact. And uh, I would imagine with as polarizing as the Second Amendment can be mm-hmm. the second, first, fourth, and tenth. Yeah, the second. <laughs> yes, uh, that yeah. you know you're you're going to have a subset of people that will come in there, and you're going to have some that will the, not come look, near look, the it, and then you're you going to have yeah. these. So it's, I guess, what I was getting at is you don't really see that impacting your business. Well, I, mean, I think it. Ha- I think certainly it can. I mean, I think there are probably people who are not ever going to come buy blue jeans from me because there are firearms in the building. I mean, sure, you know, that can be an issue. Um, but honestly, the way we set the building up, you can come in without having to cross the boundary of the firearms. So that's okay. all in the front. But there are going to be people who say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Okay. You know, you can go somewhere else. It's a free country. I mean, I just try to be polite all the time. And I think preserving somebody else's dignity, even if they even if they disagree with me, is important. Um, I actually had somebody get kind of silly on Facebook today. And, and I think when people start off conversations with, I don't mean to be rude, but, or, you know, I really respect you, but you know what they mean to be is rude and disrespectful, you know? Right. So I think if I hear that, my hackles are automatically up because I think, oh, here it comes. You know, but I, I just have to, this is my exercise in turning the other cheek a lot. I, I do that a lot. And, you know, there's, there's the wolf in me that wants to go, <laughs> okay, that's just stupid. You're being ridiculous. But, you know, if we just keep shutting each other down like that, what kind of people are we, you right. know? I, I mean, I'm happy to talk to people who don't, who are scared of firearms. I read something Today, it was some Mike Tyson quote said, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Okay, I had a plan until my home was robbed twice. Right. And then I went and bought my own gun and learned how to use it myself because I was so afraid they were going to come back. And a safe gun user. Yeah, you know. and I've learned how to use it safely. So I had a plan, and my plan was to not have a handgun in my home. And then that happened. And now I'm like, well, okay then, here we go. Well, I would like to just say 
you know, you have that American flag at your yeah. building. Yeah. And uh, we talked a little bit about this too, the expense of it. It's, oh. it's very expensive. Yes. That was an unexpected thing. Uh, to have a thing. flag. Yeah. So, uh, especially the size mm-hmm. of your flag. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's important to people know just how patriotic mm-hmm. uh, that your entire family is. Yeah. And I think people should know that you and your family have done a lot for Huntsville and I don't know where else, but maybe surrounding areas, but it is greatly appreciated. And I just want you to know that having, having you as a part of Huntsville makes Huntsville a better place. And I really do believe that. And I think that, you know, it's an honor to, to be around you and to really hear your story Gosh, you're being so kind. Um, Well, I just, you know, I I really do appreciate it. And I think that there are people that make things better for other people. And your family, your kids, your husband, you, you all do make things better for other people, which uh, is just, you know, kudos to y'all because it it does mean a lot. I, you know, my... um, my greatest glory on this earth are my kids. And um, we just came back from a wedding weekend, and our, our son has been in Korea. He went to West Point. I'm proud of all my children, mind you. So I'm just going to talk about this particular one in a minute because you talked about patriotism. So he went to West Point, And um, when he went to West Point, we were in a state of war. And I cried, I think, for two years because I was so, you know, just concerned for him and for everything that was going on. Before all of this, um, you know, 15 years ago, I was a part of a really fabulous Bible study, which, by the way, I'll make, you know, shout out to Bible Study Fellowship and all its members. Um, But I would sit in these groups and these different women would talk about, oh, their son or their husband that was in the military and he was going to do this or he was going to Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever it was. And I was so detached from it now that I'm ashamed you know, that I think back on that. I, I Because I thought, I mean, it was like they were saying to me, my son's going to Birmingham, you know? I mean, it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't understand the level of sacrifice that those families were making to, because they don't get in their kid's way. I mean, I could have gotten in my kid's way. I could have said, no way are you going to do this. And he probably would have, he wouldn't have been happy about it, but he probably would have made other plans. But it didn't get in his way. And so to all the moms that are out there that don't get in their kids' way, whatever it is that they want to do, if it's the police academy, if it's becoming a fireman, if it's, you know, if it's making our roads better, the parents who don't get in the way of their children going into education and becoming teachers, man, y'all are awesome. The parents who don't get in the way of their children who want to become nurses or ambulance drivers, none of these things are safe or easy. They're all hard. The pay is terrible. It is. You know, if you want to get rich, you're not doing any of these things, right? Right. So, you know, I just, you know, when you talk about being patriotic, I think any of those professions, and there are probably some others that I'm leaving out, that are really have patriotic leanings. And and I think if we don't make, you know, our corner a better place, then shame on us, you know? Well, is there anything else that you want to add to this interview? <laughs> you think we've covered it? Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> this is you know? Uh, a longer interview. Well, Char- <laughs> listen, Charles, the next time we do this, we have to have a glass of wine. You <laughs> might get even more out of me. <laughs> Besides water. <laughs> no, water's good. <laughs>
The final question asked is given to us by our previous entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Our last podcast was with Narvel, uh-huh. owner of Catering by Narvel. Yep. Narvel asked, did you open your business to make money or open it because it was your passion? I opened my business because, ah, Narvel, that's too hard. I, I, you know, I can't go black and white on that. If you open a business and you're not considering the cost, then you're silly. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, unless you have the, 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 the benefit of not having to depend on that income for anything other than fund money, but I don't know many people who do that. Right. You've got to consider the cost. You know, it has to be a good business plan and there has to be a need. I mean, I think if it's your passion, then it's just your hobby. And, uh, you know, of course I opened it to make money. Of course I did. Right, and there's expenses, and you got to make sure that your business model... Absolutely. Did I find passion along the way? Absolutely. You know, many different aspects of, you know, things I could get behind and be interested in. One of my greatest joys, like I said earlier, is, you know, training these new young salesmen that I think can be potentially be managers of some... Long after I'm gone, they're, they're, they're 30 years younger than me. I mean, I'll be dead. By the time I, they're my age, I'll be dead. So, um, you know, I think I'm passing on the, the, the things that I learned from Dixie Minatra at Reed's in Birmingham, I mean, excuse me, at, at uh, Rich's in Birmingham, or from um, the, you know, the Reed's people who were here all those years ago. Um, I'm passing on, you know, good manners and good customer service and how to treat other people. And that's important. So, you know, I have a passion for that. Well, that's great. You have a great story. So, uh, all right. Well, as we close, Melanie, please write down your last question for our next guest and tune in to find out how they will answer it on the next episode of epitch.org. And thank you a bunch. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening today. Please check out my website at epitch.org or anchor.fm slash epitch.org to listen to future podcasts and on my Twitter account, epitch.org, to learn more about entrepreneurship. May these individual stories inspire you to do great things in entrepreneurship. Thank you.